What's up, everybody? It's episode 52 of Stick and Rink Hockey Podcast, sports and entertainment brought to you by three well-educated individuals as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We are proud to be presented by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports all across the globe, allowing all of us to have the privilege to make some dollars off some chumps with the username Meth head-to-head in NHL games every time. That's me. I'm taking it to meth every time I get a chance. He's a dummy. I got him. Have your chance at DraftKings. Go there now. Use our promo code at signup. THPN is the promo code. Use it at signup with your first $5 deposit. You get a free entry. Make some money off of us. You help us make money. Money is great. Just please help. Let's do that for a little while. I think accents are kind of canceled nowadays, so I won't go too far into that one. No. DraftKings promo code THPN, though, is always a great idea, no matter where you're from or what your background is. Uh, To address something, as part of the Hockey Podcast Network, there will not be many more times that we address you as part of THPN. Now, we had just announced within our own circle of, of comrades and colleagues that we will be leaving the Hockey Podcast Network, sadly. Within the next, uh, within by next Tuesday, we will no longer be part. We are we are doing our last episode on June the thirteenth, I believe it is. And so that will be, a, yeah, it'll be June thirteenth. That's a, that's a big day. So that's actually when we record our last episode. It'll be posted on the fourteenth. We'll probably do that episode live as well in person, so you'll get a chance to interact with us on our last time as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. But I think in future episodes we will actually officially announce what we plan on doing afterwards because we are going to continue creating content and and putting things out into the internet world and into the fiber octave cables in our own way we've got some new plans and we think you're gonna be excited for them so anyone that's already listening i believe we're gonna be able to take some listeners with us not to say we're gonna take it away from the other guys but we are confident that we'll be creating something pretty fucking cool so without further ado i'd like to welcome josh back to the show this is he is one of the OGs. He's one of the only two OGs, I guess. Sorry, Raf. Uh, but welcome back, Josh. It's good to see you, buddy. Oh, harder, baby. Boys, it's good to be back, man. Uh, mm-hmm. I was watching your guys' live episode on, I think it was last Tuesday, and I was sad I couldn't make it, but I tuned in. There was no hockey talk, so that kind of upset me, but when it's uh, when it's just a Raf and Josh or Elijah show, uh, not a lot of sports are being discussed, but I'm, I'm pumped to be here, boys. There's so much, there's so much that has happened in the hockey world since I've been gone. And we're going to be talking about that later on today. And I'm just excited. So, Rafi, I'll yeah. throw it over to you, buddy. We're going to go around the horn. How you I'm doing, in a Rafi? world of distress right now. Oh, yeah. no. I don't know if you guys can see this, but I tried cracking open a beer as Josh was introducing himself. And the can didn't open properly. Ah. And so, the tab broke off? No, the tab didn't break off. Like, you know, when you, like, crack open the, like, when you, like pull the tab in it's supposed to like knock the little circular thing like down yeah yeah the circular thing was too sturdy and instead it broke off the part that was supposed to hold in and it's got like a little divot in it now <laughs> so I, I i i don't know oh 
There it is. We're good. Crisis what brand of beer is that? I am currently drinking a Phillips Brewing uh, Little Wonder White Ale. <laughs> and on deck, I have a Granville Island Peach Sour. Oh. You know what? That's a great idea, Raffle. What's, uh, what's a great idea? You grabbing one, too? Oh, yeah. You've always had great ideas from the first day I ever met you. Mm-hmm. You're just one of those guys. You know, you're like the like the nuclear plants in The Simpsons where they're just churning out green liquid, except your brain is the power plant. Yeah. And the ideas is the green liquid. Holy shit. Oh, look at Ooh. that. He's All got right. one, too. Well, well, you know little what, wonder, boys? little wonder. You know what, boys? Oh, Josh is gonna know. come out here and pull out one of his fucking fairy white claws and just drink that. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know what, boys? If we're if we're gonna do this, we might as well be in it together. So let's get after yeah. it. Nope. Yeah. Um, okay. So we've all we've all got the drinks. We're all ready to go. Eat, my guy, thick tuna. How we mm-hmm. doing? Boys, uh, okay, lots going on in the world of lives. Let's start somewhere. So golf, uh, you, all the listeners out there know we tend to talk a lot, a lot about our golf games as if like people love just hearing like shot by shot updates. This one's a bit more relatable. Golf is fucking expensive, dude. Fuck me. Golf is expensive. So I, I have my golf clubs, my golf set. I would say I bought them. I believe this is my fourth season with them. Maybe third, one of the two. I spent probably, when all is said and done, after I had extended the shafts a little bit and re-gripped them, basically minor adjustments to them. uh, All in all, I probably spent about 850 to 900 bucks on these things. Wow. Now, after about a year of using them, or a year and a half to two years of using them, from there was started to get a little bit of separation between the club head and the shaft. There's like a little part where obviously they glue together. Yeah. And so a little bit of separation starts to happen. And I'm like, oh fuck, that's not good. And it started on a couple of clubs. Basically, fast forward now to two weeks ago, where it gets to the point, two or three weeks ago, it gets to the point where all of them have like a, a little bit of separation, at least some of them have more than a more than a lot, which is not good. My so nine they're all uneven. And, yeah, they're all not good. And so even my nine iron ended up bent. Like it ended up like completely, obviously I couldn't even use the club. It was bad. And so I take him to golf town with this in, with this in my mind, what was going to happen is they were going to take the golf heads off and just re-glue, like recenter them, re-glue them on, bada bing, bada boom, Bob's your uncle, probably like 80 bucks. I was thinking, man, that sucks, but all right, let's go do it. I take him in, takes the first one off. He's like, bro, this shaft's bent. Like the, that was the nine iron, the worst one. So that that shaft's garbage. It's bent. Like you can't fix bent steel. Yeah. In that sense. Um, okay, that's garbage. So I leave him with the rest of them because I thought, okay, that's just the worst one. All of the other ones, like, good thing I brought them in because yeah, they'll get fixed. Nope. They're all bent. Every <sighs> single one of them. Your entire like all your shafts are bent. All of them. Because like so how when you bad? take not not bad, like just barely, dude. Like <laughs> Well, maybe not just barely, like in between just barely and yes, they're bent. Okay. So right. like when you take the golf the golf head off of a shaft, obviously the shaft goes into the club like a little bit. Like it's not just like this perfect fit. Right. And that little extender bit that has the glue on it, each one was just, it looked like it was off between like, I don't know, like 10 and 15 degrees or like 10 degrees. It wasn't like crazy, but it was like, yep, that's bent. Mm. And so every single, like he he was like, dude, you can glue them back on, but like, 
they're they're all misaligned like you're not doing your golf game any favors by doing that right so i, I had to replace every fucking shaft cost me four hundred dollars wow so, so my question to you e is and you're gonna hate this response because you've already hate hated it. it i'm already <laughs> but Let's hear it why why didn't you just maybe look at investing in some really good clubs like what clubs do you have what brand are I, they what shafts are they like film yeah so i i guess like just shitting on the company here it's uh i have cobras they're 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 called they're these are the king cobras oversized uh like cavity backs so okay. they're really forgiving clubs uh, like I said, cavity back, so it doesn't really have a lot of sh uh, shot shaping in them, but it's just a really forgiving club. A lot of it goes straight, straight right. and far. Right. Um, honestly, this guy told me, he said, it's not like, he said he's seen it a ton before. He said, it's, it's not just your brand. Like, it's he's seen it on TaylorMades. He's seen it on, on yeah. fucking Strixons, anything, Pings. Yeah, everything. Yeah. You've seen them everywhere. Yeah. But he what he, what he did tell me is like, Part of the reason is like they mass produce these clubs. The glue that they use is not great. Like it's not high quality or anything. Mm. He said the glue, because now I'm in my head, I'm kind of terrified to use them. I just got them again today. I was like, dude, I don't even want to use these anymore. Like I don't want to fucking break them again. Yeah. And he, but he says like the glue we use in shop is much better, but still. Right. So um, I had another question here. Oh, uh what shafts were they like what shaft do you use do you use a stiff shaft on all your clubs or do you have regular flex i i can't remember because i cannot remember on because that. here's here's my other thing and here's my other question as well it's kind of well the first one is kind of a tie into my first one just now is if you were using regular flex i was gonna say if you're gonna replace shafts you might as well get a stiff shaft you're gonna add so much more distance not that you lack in distance but you might as well add stiff shafts because I feel like everyone uses them. I use them now and they actually have done wonders for my game. Um, yeah. Now, uh, the other question that I have is, did he like, did he say how it was caused? Like what causes no. this? Like, and like, is it if you catch too much ground with a certain club, obviously like there's gotta be yeah. some sort of like, if you chunk your shots with one club, particularly like, for example, your nine iron, I'm just assuming it's like, yeah. dude, like there's obviously got to be, like you said, some give to this glue that obviously affects it to be bent. You know, like it, everyone just assumes it's like, you know, you chunk your shot. Okay. You chunk your shot. You chunk your shot. Not a big deal. But when you actually kind of look under the hood, it's like, you know, like when you're driving in a car and you kind of go over a speed bump too fast. Yeah. And you know, everything on the surface looks fine, but then you take it in, you're like, is this okay? And it's like, well, actually, like this is bent now or that's broken now. Like, yeah, you well, fuck, fuck the suspension, you're like, oh my god. Yeah, it's like it still works okay, but yeah, you know, what what do you have to do to obviously replace it? I was gonna say if if you were waiting on your clubs to get fixed, I was gonna be curious to know. Um, because I've seen you I've seen you golf and you're a divot guy. You are a divot yeah, guy. I like to attack the ground, as they would yeah, say. You you attack the ground. So I, I'm curious about that. So moving forward, yeah. Elijah, with all that being said, are you going to try and improve something on your golf swing to maybe avoid replacing the shafts or replacing the glue? Yeah. Again? Well, that's <laughs> that's the million dollar question, isn't it? 
I am not going to change anything about my golf swing. At least I don't have plans to. I think with the clubs, the future of these clubs, what I've envisioned doing, because now I've got new shafts, new grips, like pretty, they're, they should be considered in great condition now, I suppose. Yeah. I'm going to, I think I'm going to try and flip them and get a bunch of money because I know someone that can get a discount on new clubs. Totally. And I might just like, yeah, try like now I've now I've put in a ton of money to these things. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of fucking numbers floating through my head. I did I did not like paying four hundred dollars in the middle of golf season. That's yeah. just like, oh man, that's not what I had like accounted for in my head when it comes to my life. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that was a that was a kick in the dick. Why not just say. play these clubs into the fucking ground and then just buy a new set? Use them for like a few more seasons and then just yeah, it's tough because new like ones are. I don't know. Is a decent amount of money to spend on it, which is unfortunate, but it is. Yeah, I because I I think part of my thought is that if I like I fix them now, so I I have two options. If I flip them, I'm pretty sure I can get like I want to say like six seven hundred for them. Maybe, I think so. maybe five. I don't yeah, know if that's outrageous. I have no idea. Like the thing is, I can clean them up where they look like they've barely been used at all. Right. Like I could probably put them up and be like gently used one season and like, yeah, it's kind of a dick move, I guess. But they're like, fuck it. No, it's not a dick move. They're in great condition. So, yeah, I feel yeah. like I can I can get quite a decent amount of money for them. If I go back and I play more seasons, more seasons on them, then I might be I might be fucked. Yeah, we'll see. But going going back to your original point, though, golf is fucking expensive, man. And so, student. You know, oh my god. You know, it starts it starts with the bag, like just you building your bag to where you want it. And from a guy who has invested a lot of money into this game, new irons, driver, golf bag, cart, balls, keys, green fees, like dude, like Everything. it's a it's a lot, man. I mean, for yeah. fuck's sakes, like you pay a hundred bucks to go to Northview for four hours. Like yeah. <laughs> what? You know, oh. And it's definitely an expensive hobby. It, it is. It 100% is. But, you know, I find that the, the – I, I always wonder because people who don't golf always ask. They always ask, well, isn't it super expensive? How do you get enjoyment out of hitting a ball with a stick? And because at the end of the day, that's, that's what it is. You want to dumb it down to that level, be my guest. But yeah. there's something about it because golf is so hard that when you actually succeed in it, there's actually no better feeling in my opinion. There really isn't because no. it just takes so much mental stability and just consistency and concentration that when you do hit a low score, you're like, okay, like that's money well spent, you know? Yeah. Because yeah, justify like, dude, I can't imagine what the actual brain science isn't behind it, but behind like how much, fucking dopamine is released when i'm like when i hit a good golf hole like four shots in a row yeah dude like oh my god if i could it, just bottle that feeling up and inject it straight into my cock i would yeah and and the thing is is for me when i when i have a bad round i've always tried to do this breakdown it's like okay josh why are you mad okay so is it you know maybe 70 percent chance that i played like asshole and my swing is garbage and the other 30% is I just paid a hundred dollars to literally just, just get mad. I, I might as well have just gone into the water and threw a hundred dollar bill into the pond and been like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. That's, okay. That's all Glad that's done. You know, <laughs> yeah. what's, what's the breakdown of it? Because that's the other thing. And 
I remember watching this one show and I forget what, uh, it was Top Gear and I forget what the host was doing, but Jeremy Clarkson, the, the lead host of that show was, uh, he was sitting in this car and nothing was going right for like the group of guys that are on the show. And he looks into the camera. He's like, do you guys ever get the sense that you're just completely wasting your day? And, and that's, that's what I feel sometimes after a golf round. I'm like, that's, a, that's four hours I will never fucking get back. And yeah. that's just the way it is. And I just yeah. hate to play like shit, you know? Fuck. Mm. Dude, <laughs> and, that's, that's, that is just perfectly encompasses what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> and I would honestly, dude, like, it's one of the hardest things about getting this kind of, I'm tailing off a different direction here, but like coming out of COVID and coming back to like real life and like, you know, getting these restrictions out of the way and getting life back to normal. One of the hardest fucking things is this. I yeah, this kind of like floating feeling about like needing to do the most with your day. Like that's yeah. I've had that so much recently where it's just I don't know. I, I I sat in this house for so many weeks and months, just like bitching and moaning about how like there's nothing to do and like I yeah. just wish I was doing something. And now it, it's kind of like the whole like work weekend then into the weekend like you know you, uh -huh. you kind of work for the weekends and then when it finally gets there like ah oh, fuck i gotta take a nap i gotta sleep in i gotta make some food but before yeah. you know it you're like you're like what the fuck Back did i work. just do for my days that i was so excited for you know yeah. and i feel oh, man and we're sounding like such old men now because we're just talking about being tired yeah. we're busy we're busy with just outside life outside of work yeah working working for the weekend as you say and you know, that one tea time you look forward to all fucking week and then you can't even hit a golf ball. <laughs> yeah, that's and you're like, you're like, you're like, there's, there's been a couple rounds, boys. I'm not even going to lie. When I've shot in like the 108s, 110s. And I think to myself, like, Josh, you might as well be at work, dude. It's probably <laughs> a lot more fun than this. You know, <laughs> I, so I, I, you're I at least getting this. paid to do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least I'm being paid, you know? So yeah, golf is a finicky game and it really fucks with the mind but um i'm right there with you in terms of the investment man it's it's tough it's tough yeah it's a fucking grind yeah um but I like gotta... any like genuine good hobby is going to require like that big of an investment from you you know what i mean yeah but but here's here's my it's, thing though. yeah here's but like here's my... yeah think about ahead. golf like think about something like snowboarding think about something like hockey let's say like a majority of sports that people do as a hobby require a substantial investment, you know? Yeah. yeah like I, I let's say if you want to, if you want to become like an artist or something like that, like that's your hobby. That's the one thing that you want to become really, really good at. You want to be able to paint the perfect painting. Like think about the paints that you're going to be buying, the brushes that you're going to be buying, the canvases that you're going to be buying. There's always going to be money that you're going to be throwing yeah. into something. And if you don't like the result, then you don't like the result. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I that's think true. that's when you really need to realize it's like, Hey, Maybe this isn't for you. And for yeah. some reason, I'm not quite there yet with golf. And but that's I the thing. Like, you could genuinely <laughs> enjoy it to the point where you're like, I'm just going to keep throwing money at it because I like throwing money at it. You know? Yeah. And, and golf is an interesting one. But the other, the other thing, though, and maybe it's because, and this is a, just another sport, but it's hockey. You know, hockey is fucking expensive. It's not cheap. But yeah, yeah. I think it's your perception on how you play like i know i'm trash i know i'm trash at hockey but do i like being out there with my friends and just fucking around and like shooting the pocket and net 100 i like that whereas yeah. golf it's like i know what i can do and 
I'm not doing it and I haven't changed anything. So why doesn't it work? But do you, you know, think like you're your also expectation is just different? Do you think you're also going to get to this point with hockey where you're like, Hey, I'm you like, let's say like you start plateauing with your skill. Cause obviously you're at a pretty, you're still relatively new to it. You're learning pretty rapidly. For sure. Like, do you think you're going to get to a point eventually where you just plateau and you're like, Oh, I should be able to skate like this. I should be able to hit the shot. I should be able to do that. And you just can't continuously do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that that expectation is going to be set no matter what you're doing, you know, because yeah. like you look at an NHL player or a PGA tour golfer, yeah, Tiger Woods doesn't win every fucking tournament. Absolutely. Sidney Crosby doesn't score a goal every fucking game. Yeah. You know, you're going to go through ruts. But also for me, the rationale that I have with hockey is, you know, five years down the road, I'm going to be getting older, you know, so just the limbs are going to start hurting and shit like that. Like my expectations are going to be lowered. I think the frustrating part is, I think with golf, I'm in the prime of my life guys that are fucking 95 years old play fucking golf and they're <laughs> yeah. better than me. Whereas yeah. I know for a fact, if I were to get on the ice right now, if he was still alive, if I was to get on the ice with Gordie Howe, I could fucking skate faster than Gordie Howe. I know that for a fact. He might cross check yeah. me. He might have a better shot than I do, but yeah. I know for a fact that I could at least skate better than him or faster than him. You know, it gives yeah. me some type of thing. But when I see a 70 year old, shooting 85 and we're both playing from the white tees and I'm shooting yeah. a 105 and he's like pretty much like 12 over par. That's really frustrating for me. But yeah. if you see that same 75 year old on the ice skating cleaner than you are and hitting shots more consistently going top cheese every single time where it's like you can really get the puck off the ground. That was the same thing. That would still it just, just doesn't young. happen though. It's that that's what's, that's what's fucked about golf though. Is like, first of all, golf is not a effort sport. Like it's it's, it's the a opposite. Sport. It's the yeah. opposite of an effort sport. Where like yeah. almost every other sport that we've enjoyed up until now is an effort sport. And so yeah, like but... at least at least you can go there and like put in a ton of effort. And you leave like if you leave feeling sore and like worked out and you had a shit ton of laughs, like that's that's right there. Like that that yeah. that is in the pudding, right? But if you go to a golf game and like the thing is you leave a golf game playing so bad and you're in such a bad mood and you're like, all I did was walk. Like I didn't even like, yeah, I just no got physical, there's no physical but exertion in that. Regardless yeah. of all of that, what I'm trying to say is like, you're going to reach a point in no matter what you do, where it's like, you're going to plateau and it's like, it's going to basically challenge you. It's like, regardless of how long it takes yeah. you to get past this plateau, like it's going to happen inevitably and you're going to have to work through it and work beyond it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're not going to make any progress, and you're either going to get substantially worse, or you're going to get substantially better. Yeah, and and you know what, Raph? I think you make a good point. And where I'm at, obviously, in contrast to golf and and hockey, is, dude, in COVID, I learned how to play hockey, you know, or I at least learned how to skate somewhat. So I'm still yeah. in that learning phase. Whereas golf, dude, I've been at this for probably the last four and a half years. And I'm not saying I haven't improved because I know I have. I know for a fact I have. My swing is coming along. I have just an understanding of the game. I have touch. I'm, and I'm sure if you sa saved your scorecards, all of your scorecards from the last four years, you'd see a steady progression in some sort of way. Whether totally. you think it's happening or not. And I think, I think with hockey, though, is when you're playing with a bunch of benders like our friends, dude, like you're – it's it's kind of easy to measure yourself towards these guys you know yeah, like yeah. if i can skate and you can't i'm better than you 
hundred percent. You know, so. <laughs> but then again, like, well, so that rapidly learning introductory phase of you playing the sport. Yeah, totally. it, it is. It is a hype phase where it's like something new. Everyone's doing it together, and so it's like you, you're not worried about being like the the newbie, anything like that. There, there's a ton of things about it, and Raph's right. Like there is the plateau factor, but I think, I yeah, I, I think it all depends on each person what the what the level of interest like stays at and maintains at yeah i love like it. i i would say i'm i'm at like i'm i think i'm on my fourth year of playing and just kind of on and off playing hockey and or i'm golf? hockey okay. actually kind of maybe both who knows yeah um both. yeah and yeah I, I would say i'm more interested now in like getting better at hockey than i was when i first started which is interesting because it just comes yeah. down to so, the social aspect of who i'm with and, yeah. and that's the thing and, and i think that's the the most fun is like no matter whether or not you can't skate or you can't play hockey or you can't golf can't swing a club to save your life at the end of the day if you're if everyone's shit around you and you're just going out there to have fun then then it obviously becomes fun but me and elijah i find are at the stage with golf it's like we want to be competitive competitive with each other but golf yeah. is a finicky sport where it's just like yeah so hard to because one guy might have an off day with hockey it's i feel as if it would be a little bit different the same you know, thing can it, happen with it, hockey dude the same thing happens with everything yeah but it, but i wonder it's just like what when would be like if me and elijah are at the same level of hockey what's an off day for hockey you know if yeah, you, you just you can't make the play yeah it's, there, there's like, it, it's just very fast. Maybe you're not as accurate when you're shooting, I guess. But... I used to. So do you guys remember when I used to rock climb? Yeah. Yeah. We used to have these things where I'd go with like my buddy Willie. And it's just like, just like any other day you go there, you could go in fresh, you could go in sore, you could go into whatever kind of state. And one thing that would happen was like, you just weren't able to climb high enough. Like you just felt heavier. Like you could have you very well couldn't mm -hmm. have maybe been heavier. Like you, could, you couldn't have like maybe eaten more or something like that. I don't know. You, you're probably the same weight. That kind of shit is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. It's like we always called them high gravity days because you just felt heavier. Everything felt heavier. Everything felt more difficult. Like, regardless mm -hmm. of what you do, you're going to have those off days. Yeah, you I just fucking, feel like sluggish. Yeah, I play, yeah. I'd say, probably like 10 plus hours. Like, I say like 10 to 20 hours of video games a week. And it's like, I still have off days when I play some games. Yeah, for sure. Because it's just just, like sometimes you just don't have it. It's just not clicking. And it's like, it, it happens with everything, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, what, that's what I find so interesting about, you know, the human the human body and just the, the brain as well. It's just like yeah. Raph can go fucking 25 and five and team deathmatch all night long. We run it back, same crew, same guys. And all of a sudden this guy is just, you know, going 15 and 10, but he's playing yeah. pretty much the exact same way. It's just like, what, like yeah. what's changed, yeah. you know, over the last 24 hours. So it's but, crazy. Shit's wild. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, E, what else do you have for us, man? I mean, we're still in the intro right now. Hell yeah, dude. I think I we're in a pretty good it. spot to segue into hockey. Oh, you think so? You think so? It's just talking I like about hockey. Why wouldn't I go to hockey? So why don't we is, jump in? That's a good spot. Yeah, that's so, a good spot. Second, second round of the playoffs, E. Um, basically, last episode, we kind of broke it down series by series. We'll go in the same order as last time. Tampa Bay, Carolina. Do we have anything on the series? Yeah, I mean, so this is, man, what this comes down to, Carolina, you fucked up. You really fucked up because you had a chance in this last game. Mm -hmm. And you run into an absolute, like, 
Chinese dragon on Chinese New Year when they got the thing out on the street and they have like the 12 guys underneath and it goes, oh, dude, it's a monster. It's an absolute monster. You can't stop it. That's what the Tampa Bay Lightning are right now. You're getting fucked by them. Yeah. And if you, the fact that you couldn't win that last game when you're up 4-2 in the second period, and, it, and that second period was a gong show. Absolute <laughs> gong show. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's what the series comes down to. The Lightning are up 3-1 right now. You're not going to get three games off that team. So, sad to see the Carolina Hurricanes go. I'm officially burying you guys. You've already lost the game, in my opinion. Um, so, it was a great season. That's all I yeah. have to say about you. Yeah, and when I when I look at Tampa Bay, man, fuck. Like, it just it comes back to the same guy over and over on that team, and that is Nikita Kucherov. That guy is – he's so good. And for some reason – and maybe this is just Canadian media kind of blinding us to what else is out there, but is it – bad for us to think that Nikita Kucherov is like top two best players in the world right now is is that bad top two like yeah top, he's not top two but like is he okay so let there. me ask you this is he top five <sighs> Man, because because the because no but seriously though you have to remember you know obviously we all know Tampa Bay's a wagon right yeah. so I, there's always going to be naysayers out there that say, you know, well, Kucherov plays on such a stacked team. He's got a vet. He's got a Vezina finalist. He's got a Norris finalist. He's a Hart Trophy finalist in himself. Plus Braden Point. Plus Steven Stamkos, Johnson. Like all these guys. Whereas you look at, you know, maybe like McDavid, and it's just McDavid and Drysaitel. So, or, but the the case can be made for for McKinnon though. And I've got to say, like, top five, I think that is a reasonable thing. Maybe even top three. You know what the unproven part is that we don't even know about? So are you telling me right now if you're starting a team for one season, you're taking Kucherov over Crosby? There's no chance you are. There's no chance. I Yeah. I There's not. Like, it's, it's just weird. It's weird to think about. But yeah. – the fact of the matter is, I think if you trade, if you, if you, if they were to trade him this season to a team that believes he's like their piece, he's their McDavid, he's their Matthews, he's who they're like the cornerstone they're going to build off of. I don't think that's going well. I don't think no. he's a cornerstone player. I think, well, sorry, that's tough because how many cornerstones could you have? Probably a lot, and he's one of them for sure. Mm-hmm. But he's not the most important player on Tampa. He's maybe the third most important player on Tampa. Who Who is your number one? Hedman? Vassie and probably, probably goes Vasilevsky and then Hedman for me. Yeah. You know, and we, we've said this all before, but I, I don't, I wouldn't credit Hedman that much. I think Vasilevsky, I think at the end of the day, you need a goaltender to, to, to win you some games. You need it. You absolutely do. You can't yeah. go through the playoffs where your goalie doesn't at least steal a game in at least each series that you play. You know, so if you really do it, you got the quarters, the semis, the conference, and the cup finals. To think that if you don't have a starter that can at least steal you four games in an entire playoff series, like you're you're lying. You know, so I think Vashilaski yep. is in a, a very important part. Absolutely. But I also think that a goalie and a good defenseman go kind of hand in hand. You know, you need you yeah. need you need Vashlevsky, but you also need Hedman to 
protect Vasilevsky. Yeah. You know, because you, you need a blue chip defenseman. But with the scoring though, I just I don't know, man. I mean, at the end of the day, like look at look at the Oilers though. The, I forget what team they were. I think it was like the the eighty six or the eighty seven Oilers with Grant Fuhr. And I'll keep bringing this up. But <laughs> this is a throwback. But what I will say though is that team and it was actually said in a Chicklets interview when Grant Fuhrer, when they interviewed him, was they didn't practice defense in practice. It was all offense. He got no yeah. help because even his blue chip defenseman was Paul Coffey, and he's one of the most best offensive defensemen ever. Mm-hmm. So it, it almost makes you wonder, like, what would you rather have? Would you rather build from the goalie outwards, or would you rather just have an unreal fucking forward group and you're like, okay, like our goalie just needs to make like letting three goals, but we'll score we'll score five or four or six, whatever yeah. it is, you know? Yeah. And, it's an interesting point. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's where we differ. I don't see I see Kudrov as three at best on that team. Yeah. And there's no way in hell I'd start a team with him. Is He's he, not is, that... he, is he the better is he the best forward on that team? Yeah, I get I guess he's gotta be. I, I think it would go Kucherov point Stamkos. Yeah. And I think I, I, I like Stammer, I think, has found his perfect spot now. Like he's a super skilled sniper scorer, uh, great leader on a team that's got better scoring than him. Like yeah. I think that's a perfect part for him. Yeah. In his absolutely. age and in his speed and everything. Yeah. But I mean, going back to the whole Carolina series, it's just when you match up against a team like Tampa, it it's so hard because they can play any style that you want. You want to play fast, Tampa can be fast. You want to play physical, Tampa's big enough to do that. You want to get into a fucking scoring fest? Yeah, good fucking luck. We saw that, dude. Eight goals in the fourth in the in the second period. Yeah, so it's it's hard. Um, and Carolina, I mean, you've got Jacob Slavin, who's unreal. Dougie Hamilton, like you've got the defensive core. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is is the goaltending and that's something carolina lacks it it just they're just not good enough with the goalie and and again it's so easy to just say that but obviously finding one is that much harder so you know they're they're almost there um but you know they still have some work to do but yeah i'm i'm ready to bury carolina if they come back and beat tampa that'd be fucking crazy see ya you're gone um, okay, what is the next series we're touching on? Is it Islanders or is it the yeah. uh, Vegas one? Let's get into Boston and New York. So to preface Dude. this, I don't really even give a shit about who wins this series. I'm just all caught up on the live streams that Barstool has actually been doing. With, yeah, it's with been Frankie Borelli against Mikey Grinnell just going hard <laughs> on each other. You thought- <laughs> And, and you know what? I love the way that Barstool and these guys are actually doing it. So I guess the way that it's happening right now is who's ever the home team, the other, the other person is opposite. So when those two, when the last two games were in Boston or, or in New York, Borelli, the Islanders fan, was in Boston and vice versa. So yeah. they're going back to the Garden. Grinelli's going back to Long Island. And you are just going into a fucking lion's den. And I've always wanted to wonder what it would actually be like to, could you imagine being in like a Montreal bar as a Jets fan? 
right now. Like, just imagine that for a second. That would be fucking Hey, one sec. I lost you, Josh. I got to switch headphones. What I was saying is, imagine just being a fan, like a Winnipeg fan, in a Montreal bar. Just imagine that for a second. Just imagine how hostile that would be. And there's certain fan bases that are fucking crazy. And, dude, Borelli is a fucking psychopath when it comes to the Islanders. I don't think... I know... Islander fans are crazy, but Jesus Christ, it's fucked right now. <laughs> yeah, this, I mean, what 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 else can we say? Right now, the New York Islanders are following in their sovereign leader, Frankie Borelli. Like, that's really what's happening right now. They are completely bolstered by the addition of the fucking Long Island lunatic. That's who this yeah. guy is. Uh, him on the live stream. I like it better when he's in Boston. Oh, yeah. I like it better when he's in Boston because he, to quote the great Frankie Borelli, what did he say on the last one? He said, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> he sounded like <laughs> such an idiot. He's yelling at it. Dude, he's yelling at everyone in the front row. Half of our girls, too, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah. They're <laughs> yelling at everyone. Fuck you. Suck my dick. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> what a thing to yell at a crowd of 100 people. <laughs> Who is yeah. You? But you, you know what I like that Barstool is actually doing right now is like, this is not just over the spin chicklets page. This is on Barstool. So for people that aren't hockey fans, this is how you grow the game. Yeah. Because the atmosphere in both like either Apparelli's or um, I think they're at Hurricanes in Boston it's so fucking crazy there right yeah. now. And I I loved it because I was listening to the Chicklets episode and Grinelli was literally saying that he was getting anonymous text messages just from random numbers from people that were at Borelli's saying like, dude, like we're going to shit kick you in between periods. Like, you're <laughs> at soccer. like that is absolutely fucking hostile. And to actually touch on the series itself, Dude, the Pasternak open net. Oh my god! And, and Was he, that not the funniest? And he hits the post. Like when you watch that live, you're just thinking to yourself, "Holy shit!" But when you see the reaction of Borelli, his hands are just like that, like head on the table, yeah. like doesn't even want to be seen. And then he looks <laughs> up, and it hits the post. And he just turns around and, like, just gives everyone the finger and New York goes on to win the game. It's just, you can't script that any better. You really can't. And it reminds, I posed this question, man. I was like, oh, dude, if Vancouver went to the playoffs, what would be our restaurant equivalent to Borelli's? Like, I I know we don't have one, but, like, where would you want it to be? Oh, man. I don't even know where I'd want it to be. There's, oh man, I don't know. Because it's it's very unique because even when you think about Calgary, they've got the Red Mile. You know, the 17th Ave, it's filled with like bars and pubs. There's not one specific place. Um, yeah. But I'm trying to think of like what would be a sick, like what's a bar around GM or around Rogers Arena? I mean, it's the only one really is Shark Club. Like, sorry, they have the, they have the actual sports bar attached to the arena. And it's called like Rogers Arena Sports Bar or something like that. Um, 
and then they have Shark Club, which is like literally right down the road. Yeah. Um, there's got to be like a locally owned one. I imagine Shark Club's locally owned too, but it's a little yeah. chain. Yeah. A little chain action. But yeah, I just I I'm I love this series, man. I absolutely love it. But it comes back to the point is as much as I don't like Boston, I just I don't want to see Tuka Rask just not get a cup. He he needs one. He absolutely needs one. He he's got all these records in the playoffs for being a Boston goaltender and he does not win a Stanley Cup. It's it's just a travesty with what Boston has put in front of him, and he's either gotten hurt or he hasn't played well, and it's just it's so unfortunate because you know I feel like and this might be a bit of a take he I like he's playing like Jonathan Quick when LA won their cup okay you know and it's just outstanding play. But you know the Islanders, man, they they don't go away. You know they're they're an unreal team. They've got they've got a lot of good guys. But did you see Taylor Hall get fucking ragdolled by Scott Mayfield? <laughs> yeah, that was a tough fight. fight for him. Jesus, yeah, that hey, was. Hey, props to him for taking it though. Yeah, exactly. You know, I think one point you got to fire out the boys, like, and Taylor Hall, man, it's just yeah. I I think Boston has done so well, um, adding Craig Smith, Taylor Hall. You know, they built this team at the deadline to just make some noise. And the Islanders, man, they're dream killers, dude. They're absolutely fucking dream killers. <laughs> yeah. So, wow, dude. So they're going – is that series 2-2 or is the Islanders up 3-2 now? No, I think it's 2-2. They're going yes. back to, They're going back to Boston for, for that's right. game five. And I think that's on tomorrow. That's right. Yep, tomorrow at 3.30. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's move on to the Colorado Vegas one. Yeah. Man, so this one, in my opinion, this is the best series going on so far. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, Colorado, they look like an absolute freight train. Once again, Mack Truck 18 Wheeler will not stop for anyone. They won six straight playoff games to kick it off. And then Vegas is back. Just like that. Vegas is back. They come out, mm-hmm. Cirque du Soleil, a little nudie. Swing and dick from the apparatuses. They're taking back the fucking turf right now. And they yeah. absolutely laid hammer on these guys tonight. It's mm-hmm. now 2-2 in the series. I don't know where the fuck to go with this, Josh. Um, is Colorado done? Do they flame out too early? No, I, I don't think Colorado's done. I think this I think this team needed to see some adversity. I mean, for for fuck's sakes, they're six and two right now in the playoffs. Like, what did you think? You're gonna go the entire playoff series without without losing a fucking game like what is this nhl on rookie mode you're gonna face some setbacks and vegas is a team to provide that they've always been vegas i find has always been kind of the underdog in in a series it's just like it's the newest team you know they they're filled with just a bunch of depth and you know maybe not necessarily like all the superstars um so so it's an interesting look but i just I also think that Grubauer, I mean, he's had such an outstanding year that there's going to be a couple games when shit doesn't go his way and the other team is going to be dynamite. It happens. Am I worried? No. I'm not worried about Vegas. I still think that – or Colorado. I, I still think Colorado can get this done. Um, I think they, they needed to kind of get blown out a little bit and kind of brought back down to earth because they're riding high. I mean, what was yeah. the score in the first game? Was it 8-1? Uh, I think 7-1. 7-1. Yeah. 
7-1, like not, not every single game is going to be that way. Um, okay. But Vegas, they're physical, they're resilient, and, you know, fucking credit, man, to Marc-Andre Fleury. And here's a stat for you. And I heard this on the radio. Marc-Andre Fleury has never been nominated for a Vezina Trophy in, yeah, 17, in 17 years. Is that ludicrous? Like, that's fucked. You, it's like, insane. It's the flower. Yeah. It's the fucking flower. How's he? Well, you know, I can understand not winning a Vezina. I think that's a lot harder to do. But at least not, not even being nominated for one. That's crazy to me. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. That's fucking mind blowing. And I, that's the stat that's driving the world right now. And people, it, it, it blows everyone's mind because you just think, man, you kind of put him in the elite caliber level of the, of the guys that have done it for as long as he has. And to not even be nominated, nominated for it at this point, just fucking give it to him. Dude, I don't even care if it's logical. I don't even care if he was the best goalie. Give him the Vesna. Fuck it. We need to, we need to start supplying the legends of the game with the things they deserve like that one. Yeah. And and to be honest, Marc-Andre, he has not had a season where he's kind of seen it through all, all the way down the line. You know, I mean, since since the first cup that Crosby got, I think in 08 or 09. Um, has not been easy for the guy. No, it's not. I mean, the the repeat that Pittsburgh had, Flurry got them to the playoffs, but then he went down. And then um, the next year, Murray went down. Flurry came into the playoffs, shut the door, but then Murray came back, also shut the door, and then they and then they went riding with Murray. And you know, Flurry, and then I think Flurry ended up going to the Cup final that year with Vegas against Washington, and, and couldn't get it done. So. You know, he's had such an interesting career, but he Lurie needs to he needs to be he needs to win and he needs to win with the team kind of thrown on his back because I find that he is gonna be the one guy I think that can actually pull this through for Vegas. If Flurry can shut the door and truly shut the door. I think Vegas has a chance, but, you know, only time will tell. I mean, you're yeah. going up against one of the best offenses in the NHL. Yeah, it should be crazy. Looking yeah. forward to it next game Tuesday on that one. Uh, last but not least, Josh, talk about burying a team. Are we about to bury the Jets? Holy Are the shit, Jets man. six feet under dude, after three fucking games? Dude, I don't know, man. I was, oh, I was talking to a buddy today at work, and I said to myself, Winnipeg had like 11 days off and to just rest and practice and do all this shit. And you come out and you're, and you're playing like this. It's um, like hot garbage at that point. It's, it's brutal. It's, it's unacceptable for, for a team like Winnipeg to be playing like this. I don't understand it. I mean, I mean, credit to Montreal, man. I always say, I always say this to my dad. My dad is a diehard Habs fan. He's always said it to me and he's put this thing in my mind. And, <laughs> I would almost compare them to the New England Patriots minus the winning. But when the Patriots get into the playoffs, it does not matter the record in the regular season. Montreal will make some noise. And I haven't been on the podcast since that game seven. And you guys think about this, Josh. The last time you were on the podcast, they were about to play in a game seven must win elimination game. 
you're now on the podcast. Tomorrow they're playing to move on to the third round. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. That's crazy. But what I will say is I am going to pump my own fucking tires here. You guys pick Tirana. And mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I just, I don't think like Carey Price, man, this guy's playing. Is he turning the corner? Is he turning the corner again in a good way? Could be at the right time. Is he figuring out his age and what his game is at this point in his career? He very just, well could be. He I could mean, be the, the next Carey Price. I mean, we think about, I mean, we think about with Montreal and how you build a team and, you know, it's very opposite of what the Oilers did, right? You stack your forwards with just unreal talent. You don't practice defense. But, dude, like, Montreal is on the complete opposite. You've got one of the best goaltenders in the world. You've got one of the best blue lines in the NHL with Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Ben Chirot, Jeff Petrie. Like, the list goes on. And then you have some young kids up front. And, you know, they're not the biggest, but they're fucking quick. And so, I don't know. I look at Montreal, and it's one of those teams, man. Like, they can – like, Price, I find, just goes into an extra gear in the playoffs. If he can get in there and if he's healthy, he's one of the best. And if he's on his game, I just – I don't see him losing. I just – I don't see it. Yeah. So, I think Montreal is going to bury Winnipeg tomorrow. I just – I – I, I right. think um, it's going to be very similar to what Winnipeg did to Edmonton. You know, you're down 3 nothing, and you're like, okay, guys, like we got 24 hours to regroup. And, you know, Montreal is like, dude, like let's just shut it down now. Same mentality that Winnipeg had going into Edmonton. Like just shut it down. Yeah, get the you extra know? rest. Let's close it out. Let's not give them hope. Let's keep the fucking – foot on the tiger's neck and let's and let's just kill it so i'm big on the jets tomorrow guys uh if you're smart like me using DraftKings promo code thpn at sign up and making your pretty much entire DraftKings lineup based around the jets tomorrow including the goalie and some expensive forwards then you just are going to miss out on all the big money that's to be made because josh the jets are winning tomorrow the jets are taking this to seven because montreal never does things easy you are right that they come to the playoffs and they cause havoc, but Montreal never does things easy. So this series is going to seven. You can take that to your bookie and make some money off of it for sure. I like that. Um, the the one thing I want to touch on before we get into some more miscellaneous sports and we can wrap here is, again, like I said, haven't been on the pod since before game seven between Toronto and Montreal. Can we just kind of talk about Toronto? I hate talking about the Leafs. But we need to talk about Toronto. What we, happens from here? What 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 do you do? What do you do? It's yeah. just I can't I can't wrap my head around it. And again, you know, I think if they have Tavares, I think this is a different series. I think if they even had Jake Muzzin in the lineup in game seven, I think this is a different it could have been a different outcome. I, I do believe that. And I'm not discrediting Toronto for that. But also at the end of the day. Tavares was an addition to this team. He signed there. It's not like you drafted him like you had had success without Tavares before he was there. And I just, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know because it's not Dubas's fault. I, I don't. He's a great team on paper on he, the ice. He, he's put an outstanding team on paper. You came in first in the North. 
you've been consistently putting up numbers since you drafted Austin Matthews. And then you look at, okay, well, Sheldon Keith. Well, I think his system works. It's yeah. not like he's, it's not like he's harnessing, you know, Matthews and Marner and all these other guys and Nylander from doing their offensive ability. Like some coaches do. Um, you know, I don't think it's that, but, you know, the case needs to be like the accountability needs to fall on Matthews and Marner. I mean, Marner is not, not, Marner did not play well. He did not play well. Well, He's scored in like 18, 19 playoff games now, dude. He's playing horrible in the playoffs. So, I mean, he needs to, yeah. I mean, something needs to be figured out with the players. I don't know if they panic, they get in their own heads. I mean, it's hard not to, it's hard not to get in your own head. You know, you've been to the yeah, not when you're around that. Times. It's fucked. So, um, Josh, the answer, what you do is you don't do anything. You've got the lineup. The regular season proves it. I, I, I understand people say that the playoffs is a different beast. It is a different beast. He, they have the right players. If they can retain some and then replace the rest of those veteran group guys, they're sitting pretty. I think they've got a great team. They're going to bust through eventually. They just need some patience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean... I just I, I just look at how long they've had this group and you know I think this is the oh, third wow. year third year with John Tavares in the lineup and it's still not happening um so yeah I don't I don't know I mean I would say like the time is now for this team I mean it's not like these guys are really old or anything I mean they're still really young um but some something needs to be done and i don't know what it is because sometimes people can say well you lack leadership and it's like well you don't i mean you got joe thornton on the team you got john tavares on the team like you know oh, it's yeah, not you got a, names yeah you're not lacking veteran depth here um you still have jason spezza like you know it's it's not about that so i think it's more so just the execution and just seeing a four like a seven game series through so yep. I agree with that. Um, anyway, right, why don't we move on? What do you want? What do you want to wrap up with here? Well, I just have a couple miscellaneous sports things. Uh, the first thing, I love talking about the NFL, and you know that. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So, Julio Jones traded to the Tennessee Titans for probably a second round pick. So, that second round here. pick and a fifth round pick. And I don't think Julio was the only player actually in this trade too. Then Tennessee didn't give up any any talent that they have. So I mean, Tennessee man, is this when I look at Tennessee or when I look at any AFC team, my measuring stick now is it used to be the Pats, but now it needs to come down to okay, can you beat Kansas City? Is Julio Jones the guy that can get you over the line and i think he can i mean you got derrick henry you got julio jones you got brown you got Tannehill. you know but let's not forget though last year the fucking def- like the deflating part of the tennessee titans was their defense they couldn't get off the field on third down they couldn't yeah. get a stop so I mean, if they're just trying to build a shootout team, sure, let's build a shootout team. But when you compare that to Kansas City, you want to play a shootout, you're not going to beat Kansas City in a shootout. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're just – no team 
is better because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world right now. So mm-hmm. I just, I think Julio is good. I think Tennessee is obviously going to improve. Um, but who's in that division? It's uh, the, the AFC, AFC South. The AFC South. So I think it's South. like Jacksonville. Tennessee. Tennessee. What else is there out there? Uh, is there other Florida teams? The Texans. Texans are in that division. Yeah. And there's one more. I forget who it is. Um, but anyway, I mean, I think Tennessee, like they've always, like in the last couple of years, they've been a lock to usually win that division. I think it's the Colts um, mm. is the other team. Those are the four teams that you're competing against or the three teams that you're competing against. So Tennessee, in, in my opinion, they've always been the favorite in that division. I think this them, I think with this trade, that puts them over the edge. Um, mm-hmm. But also at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You need They're going to make the playoffs, but you're going to face a hard team. And Kansas City is going to be that hardest opponent for sure. And the Buffalo yeah. Bills. Let's not forget about them. Yep. That'll be a matchup. So, um, anyway, that's all I had for NFL. The oh, last... yeah. what, what, why don't we talk about Naomi Osaka? We getting into that? Yeah, let's talk about Naomi Osaka. And I want I want Raf's opinion in on this. Raf, have you heard anything about Naomi Osaka? Do you know? No, absolutely nothing. I don't even know who that is. Okay, so I'll preface it <laughs> for you. So Naomi Osaka, I think, was actually okay. So I'll just tell you what happened. So the French Open for tennis was, uh, I think, last weekend, or oh, I think, kicked I think off. I briefly heard about this. I briefly heard about this. Yeah. So I made mention yeah. to you just kind of in passing, but Naomi Osaka is I think number one or number two ranked tennis player in the world, female, obviously. Um, And she came in before the tournament saying that she did not want to talk to the media. She says it caused her anxiety. It caused her distress. Wasn't this like doubt in her mind about playing, whether it's post or pre pre match uh, interviews. So she refused to talk to the media about about just anything. She didn't want to talk media pre pre and post game interviews and stuff like is that. there any yeah. reason like anything that happened prior that would have caused this no i don't think so um but you can see her in previous interviews that she actually like does not like you can see her like she does not bode well with the media it's not that they bring anything negative i just it seems like she just doesn't like speaking to to the media because of maybe the questions they ask the repetitiveness um you know maybe the negative negative questions that are uh posed to her um so anyways said no no media uh the french open i guess organizers are like okay like you have to talk to the media to partake in this tournament um they ended up finding her fifty fifteen thousand dollars and then she actually withdrew from the tournament and I wanted to get your guys's opinion on where where do we stand with this and where do we stand with the media and the obligation maybe or the potential obligation that an athlete has to talking to the media. I don't think I don't think they have any obligation. I think it's stupid. I think why the fuck does this is I feel like I'm going to try and not regurgitate exactly what's been checked et cetera or any other podcast. Why the fuck does it matter? Like, mm-hmm. like we we nowadays we've we've explained this. Like we we don't get the the reason that media are in the locker room and they're at these practices and they're doing all these things, they're taking notes and they're being they're fucking working hard. Sure, 
But the only reason that they're doing that is because back in the day, people used, that's how they used to get all their information was from these insiders. And now every one of those old timers that's still a fucking like sports editor for a newspaper or like you write a column on a website, like I hate to say it, no one gives a fuck about that. Like, yeah, it's just so it's so outdated and it just makes and it makes me so I actually like I honestly think that this is what I hope for. I hope in the entire sports media landscape that we are in for like a big overhaul on what Mm -hmm. sells. Like, sure, you can have whatever. If, you, if you're if you into that kind of stuff and you're into, like, the, the one-on-one interview with the generic answers and stuff like that, sure, maybe that's still there for you. But I at least hope, at least with the main North American sports and sports like tennis, I hope we get away from this fucking monotonous questioning that we do after every game. And, like, I don't know. Let's find a different format that the players want to enjoy, too. Because mm-hmm. Josh and Raph, like, how fucking dumb is it when a player ni- either win or loses? And comes out and has to explain how they played. Like, yeah. do you do you think that within the contracts that they signed prior to joining their league or their team or their organization or whatever it is, that there is a category on media? There, there is. And, yeah, and there that, is. And, and that's kind of the devil's advocate. With like all you, this. you sign a contract within your contract, there's probably something that says like you have to be prepared to speak to media about this, this, this. Like it has to be a thing that you can't necessarily deny. Like I feel right. like that's okay, a yeah. part of it. Let's get past the point of it's part of their contract though, and get get to the point of like why why do we still put that as part of your contract? Because then there's because they have to appeal to consumers, which is us. Well, like how many how many people do you think like okay, let's say like you don't have any radio interviews, don't have any media interviews. Like think about how much of our culture and our sports community revolves around fucking sports news what do we do we do sports news what does tsn do sports news what does sports yeah, do? totally sports news that kind of stuff like if you don't have these interviews then you're just going to have the exact same people broadcasting I, I, the exact same knowledge with just slightly different analytics based on their emotion and their personal preferences well, yeah so so okay here's my here's my point is you have this you have this entire industry of sports media which yeah. all, all their entire job and their entire industry is built off of having opinions having analytics having all these things about players and yes it helps it helps a ton to be able to get players to comment on that stuff yeah the biggest thing takeaway from where like where the standing is right now of that sports media is there is zero or i shouldn't say zero because there's a couple weirdos out there there is less than one percent of professional athletes that enjoy talking to the media that's a problem like if the entire job of the media is to get us an inside look at like how the sport works, how the athletes work, what they're doing, why they're doing it, those types of things. If less than 1% of the me- the players actually want to do that or yeah. want to take part in any format that they're placed in, that's a problem. Yeah. And I don't and I don't think that's the player's problem. The the only the only obligation the players should actually like give a fuck about at least in this point is going out and perform, being an, be an entertainer in your sport. After that, the media should fucking present you with a template that allows you, your personality, to actually be engaged. Like, be engaged in the media that you're giving, right? I I agree with you entirely on this, 110%. I just want you to know I'm not coming from a position of me going oh, yeah. against you. I'm not getting you. mad at you. I'm getting mad but at like the idea of what we have now. What I'm going to say is, how many people do you think when they're reading their contract and they see their salary and how much they're going to be paid, 
look over at the media and they look and see like, oh, I have to talk to the media after, let's say, maybe like one out of every 20 games I play. Mm-hmm. Think about like a like a baseball season or something like that. They have yeah. to go talk to the media once out of every 20 games that they play. They get paid this much. In their head, they're like, that doesn't fucking matter. That's not a lot. Sure, they might pick you to talk after a shitty game. They might pick you to talk after a really good game. But regardless, when you're being thrown that much money and then your sponsorships require you to talk to the media as well and promote their brand because they probably also want to get screen time for their products with the media or they want you to talk about the fucking shoes that you're wearing or like the glove they use or some shit like that. Any kind of name drop, anything like that. Like media is always going to be around and it's not necessarily going to be up to the individual to decide if they can talk about it or not. Well, I think it's, yeah, I think for me, my frustration with it is you look at any interview in any sport and you just watch, just watch a post game interview of anything with a coach, with a player, whoever it is. And they're all kind of asking the same fucking thing. Exactly. Like it's and, like and ask think, any kind of post, look at and, any kind of NHL post game, dude. It's the same questions. And, and you know what? Like, I think that is a, like a frustrating part about all of this is, you know, when you, when you watch, um, wait, so watch, good question. Yeah. Do you think that it would be better if there was just no interviews and then the, let's say like they picked a player and they just gave him a script, be like, answer all these questions and they just had like a mic to him. Do you think that would be a better thing? Cause then no. it's like no post interviews. Well, no, that's you know pretty what? much what they do at this point. You know what though? Here's, 100%. Here's that's what, what I'm trying to say. say. Here's what I would say is why do you need a quote? Like when you ask someone, <laughs> when, when, when you ask someone, you know, what happened here? It's like, well, did you watch the game? Well, you did because you're there. So yeah. you know what? Make up whatever you want. You know, clear like clearly like they missed a point or they missed an empty net. Like like if yeah. someone asked David Pasternak on that empty net goal, it's like, what happened? Well yeah, what yeah. what happened? You fucking what? watched it. I missed the net. So Yeah. Well, you, you guys are also like, looking at this from a very negative light. No, but, no, complete no, opposite. But, complete but what opposite. I'm saying but look look think about it this way. Let's say fuck, oh. I don't watch sports. I can't point out a very specific instance in this but let's say somebody scores a game-winning stanley cup goal media surrounds the guy puts up a mic to him what was going through your head the guy's ecstatic no and i would say so i would say this is that in that moment give a guy give a guy a mic like that sorry there's one example that i'll like i'll pin against myself on an argument for myself and where media is cool this is my thing is when a meet when they stick a mic in his face and they say what happened during that goal you still get the most generic response ever you'll get like yeah. oh you know i i saw him coming through the neutral zone and i put my stick down i tapped my stick he hit me around the tape and i just i saw some room and i sniped it but okay. if you go the route of you asking what does this goal mean to you and your family or like you and your story now you get somewhere mm-hmm. now you're doing then, something you get some you pretty also- good, like some pretty good interviews some pretty heartfelt moments out there 100%. But what if you're only given a 30 second time slot for a response? I don't think take you, that up with your network, dude. Like, that's like 100%. Need, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, that's like, that's the network that's providing them. They have to have these kinds of answers. So they can't necessarily fish out a long, like, elaborate answer for that kind of stuff. Oh, that's, right? yeah. Maybe that's what's I mean, wrong with media. I mean, I think the, I think the issue is, is it's, it's also more so the, the people that are in that room as well. It's like, what are you actually doing? You know, you're yeah. writing for a newspaper, like, the one argument that Chicklets made is like, dude, like if people really want to know this person, social media is a perfect way to know that person. Yeah. You know, like Tiger Woods signed a contract with a certain golf company where, or like a golf media website where he literally only does interviews 
with that website or like with that thing. And like, that's pretty much it, you know? So yeah. then there's also a side of me is, you know, if does he you still do like, does he still do like in-person interviews? Pretty much, the like, but pretty much only like after like he, like, even if he loses, like you, you watch the masters, right. They always go into the clubhouse and whether they're winning or losing, whatever it is, they'll always show them clips. It's like, what'd you read on this putt? Well, I like if, if it's bad, it's like, okay, like you missed this putt, you know, why did it happen? Well, he probably fucking read the break wrong. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, it just, it didn't go in. He probably read it for a good three minutes at the end yeah. of the day you have to execute it. He doesn't know why he missed it. Obviously, if he knew why he missed it, yeah, that question collapses on itself because he's not trying to miss the fucking putt. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, 100%. I, think, I think in that sense, like, I think that's the the frustrating part is it's just when something negative goes wrong, yeah, or when something just goes wrong, and they're like, "What happens?" Like, dude, you saw it. Like, he missed it. Like, what else do you want? Could you. You know, like he, he made a mental mistake. That's all it is. So playing into your point, I'll add on to this and I'll let you guys talk is, you know, if we're going to hype up the media, it's like you have media obligations. Then there's part of me that thinks, why don't you just fucking do the Marshawn Lynch treatment? It's yeah. like, ask me Seriously. whatever you want and just be like, dude, I'm just here. So I don't get fined. You know, like yeah. Naomi well, Osaka easily could have done that. We, but, sh- so- we should have said like the big, we should mention real quick, the big reason she's not doing it is different than anything that we're talking about. She says she struggles struggles with depression and social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And like like you said, Josh, you've seen her in these interviews. She's not comfortable. Like she is, yeah, she's not that is like that looks like a nightmare for her. Yeah. And she literally said, she said at the beginning of the tournament, she said, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. It's no no offense to anyone. It's just like it 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 is horrible for me and my yeah. mental health. And they said to her, they said, Okay, here's a fifteen thousand dollar fine for that. You're welcome. Yeah. And then they said you're going to do it or you're not going to play. And she said, okay, I'm not going to play. Like, and she called their bluff and yeah, and the like, way, what and, fucking idiots, man. And and the way that I see it though, is she might be, and I don't know who follows suit and all this, but I would not be surprised if other people start doing that because here's Seriously. the thing is if LeBron James doesn't want to talk to the media or if Connor McDavid doesn't want to talk to the media and he's like, okay, I'm not going to play. Congratulations, NHL. You just lost your star player. Because he's not going to play, and your viewership yeah. is going to go down. So it's like, cool. Did you guys so see the talking. Anthony Davis interview? No, uh, no. He basically walked away, did the same thing, said he's not going to do an interview due to an injured groin. Yeah, and that was waved as being okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. wild. It's, it's just basically it's, what the media justifies as being a rightful reason to ignore it and a wrongful reason to ignore it. But but the one yeah. the one ironic part of all this is, and I heard this from Chicklets, and I didn't really. Uh, like review it too much but the guy that ended up actually issuing the fine to naomi osaka refused to comment to the media yeah he refused <laughs> to take questions he oh, refused to it. take questions he's like not dude, imagine, any questions. imagine dude imagine if as a player instead of answering questions you just had to come out give a statement no questions after you're just like so we lost tonight didn't go the way i thought it was gonna go yeah. But I got a couple of beers in the locker room. I'll be right. I'll I'll be but, back. See you guys later. But here's the other thing, though, is I always find people that, you know, are funny with the media are actually the ones that say the least. OK, so I'll give you a few examples. Marshawn Lynch, yeah. uh, Greg Popovich uh, with the San Antonio Spurs, John Tortorella. Um, 
Who else? Uh, Daryl Sutter. Uh, and there's a couple more. But it's just like, dude, like they, like they're just, they don't give a shit. Like they don't give a shit what they say to these guys because it's like, yeah. dude, you're going to write whatever you want at the end of the day. And I'm not going to read it. So, yeah, like, just I'm not take, reading it, that. take it with what you want. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I think that that was so stupid for that tournament. It's like, if you go to the Stanley Cup final and, you know, Nathan McKinnon doesn't want to talk to the media, it's like, dude, it's in your contract or you're not going to play. Okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, you can't make someone talk. Like, they can show up to the conferences all they want. Yeah. Or you can just march on Lynch it. And I hate to say it, this this is kind of what I'm saying is that like this whole revamp of media is that break it down to even these sports. I get it. It's in their contract. It's how a lot of the money is generated. Sure. Mm -hmm. But in the end of it, these like it's not serving its purpose, the maximum that it could be, because we're we're seeing it with people like Spit and Chicklets, with people like the Missing Curfew podcast, even with local pot, even with local media, any kind of modern media where players actually go on and show their personality, the reason that they show their personality is because they're comfortable and they're in a positive setting. And they're, you know, it's not just about their tic-tac plays and their, like, foundation, the foundation of their game, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's they're actually given an opportunity to show who they are and not just be, like, in a quote machine. And that's what drives... that. And, and still, like, newspapers, website writers, whatever you want to call them, bloggers... In, in like actual sports who take it seriously like they just in my opinion they just have it so wrong because they folk they, they focus so much on the negatives and it's like dude you're just like at this point you just have like a cult following of of hardcore fans who want to feel negative and yeah. that, like in my opinion you'll never get anywhere close to the players on an actual relationship because that's what you're doing mm -hmm. the thing about Bass that actor. though is that negative media is just so much more appealing to the masses than positive media but I guess though, like in it's negative, like think about, but negative in what sense though? Like yeah, negative like, is in you lost, negative, like negative, negative in, like flip out and like negative in general, dude. Negative media always blows up way quicker than positive media. Think about yeah, it. I don't know. I mean, like when you think, I mean, I think I we're seeing a change. Yeah. I think we're seeing a change. I think, I think what it like in this specific example when you're talking about sports, there's relation. There's there's the three or four components. There's the writer, the player, and the viewer. If you want, if you just want that straight like clickbait, they call it whatever you want. That's that instant sell. The the writer to the listener or the viewer, that yeah, sure, negativity sells that much more. But that's because people haven't experienced the like the actual the true connection to the player. Like actually, now that I've now that I've actually been able to listen to interviews with some of the guys that I have not liked as players before, I'm like, holy fuck, that guy's actually hilarious. He's dope. Mm -hmm. Because now, I, now I'm actually getting this better connection. I'm getting this authentic version of them. And who, who cares? Cut out the fucking writer, dude. Cut out that guy. He's not doing... She's, he, sure, he was satisfying that like very primary instinct to hear about a guy. But when I was actually shown what the player is, that's so much better than any column I could read. Yeah. That's where I see it. Yeah. Yeah, but... I, just, I think for me... In the my, long run, it'll sell better. My basis of the argument is... You know, if you're going to talk negative and shit, like at least like at least just get creative. It's just the fact that everyone just asks like the same question yeah. at the end of the it's day. Old. You're just asking like what happens? Like, dude, like I didn't play well. You know, if yeah. you go in there and you're like, guys, I didn't play well. I don't know what else you want from me. I just had a bad day and you walk out. There's your headline. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what else do you need to say? 
Yeah. It's just, you know, but that's kind of like what they're doing. Like, that's like what they were doing, essentially. And you guys are kind of, weren't you guys kind of like upset about that? No, I'm, we're upset at that. We're upset that the media can't pivot. Yeah. Like, they can't. They have, yeah. they have no creativity to pivot. Yeah. But like, like the one thing that you guys were saying was that you're upset that people keep asking the same generic questions. And yeah. you're saying that people need to give more creative answers. But the thing is, no. like, or sorry, I guess what you're saying is that so <laughs> I'm just I just might be feeling to understand what you guys are talking about, but it's like I'm trying to find my wording for this. The media is asking the same generic questions over and over again, right? Yeah. Yeah. About negative things. And you guys just want them to say, I just didn't play well. But then you're no, also but, upset but like during the same like generic just... answers and same generic responses. Well, it's like they can't just say, I didn't play well. So they have to kind of give the same generic responses and the same generic answers over and over again, no, is what I'm getting at. For, for, I think for both of us, the, the anger start or like the, the like the the unsatisfied, like not being satisfied starts and ends with the the media person not being creative and like not doing something original. Yeah. Like it, it starts and ends there because it's like they're asking the same questions and they're getting the same responses and still not being creative to pivot from that. You know? So like, can you give me an example of a question that would be a too generic of a question how you'd want it worded? I don't know. Find hey, find a guy uh, for for me, if you're having a terrible season like the Canucks are, this is one thing is that in in, in my opinion and it's tough because players are humans, but they understand how much scrutiny they're under. I think if we can get to a place where the Canucks have a terrible season and some of their players still feel comfortable coming on for an interview, that's like kind of fun and kind of like a happy feeling. But right now we're at, we're at a point in media and I think it's created mostly by media where if the Canucks this year, let's say Bo Horvat in the middle of the season did like a 30 minute interview with a local guy and, you know, had some laughs, had some good times, told some stories he'd be looked at someone who's not focused on his sports because that's the media, the way the media portrays it. Okay. So, but in my opinion, people need to start getting creative and finding ways to get that when all there is is negativity. That's the generic stuff. Like the way, the way how can I, you have like a fun, creative interview with questions after somebody has a devastating loss? That's not right after, but it's like, that's why I, I just, I don't see the use in the post game interviews. That's why I don't see the use in it. But you might not. But there's obviously, like, if it's if it's selling, there's obviously consumers who do expect that. You know, like yeah. there's a market for it. I guess they're losers, right? I mean, like, I guess. Well, <laughs> I think the biggest thing is though is like we look at who who are these people in the room. It's like they're writing columns for a dead business. Yeah, right. You're writing shit. You're writing shit for you know. But a dead like, business. Though, do we know that it's a dead business? Oh yeah. Dude, like, look at how much traction athletes get on their own personal social media pages doing interviews and whatnot. And then look at how, like, it's just social media is that much more popular than reading a column in a newspaper. Okay. It's, mm-hmm. it's just behind the times. You know what okay. I mean? And so, yeah. like, when I look at, like, even, like, generic, like, negative answers, when I think about, okay, I'll use Drive to Survive as an example, an actual hard-hitting you know, series about a full blown season of like shit going wrong and shit going right. And the answers that they provide are actually a lot more in depth and they're explaining like what happened. However, when you watch the, the, 
the immediate interview after what happens there, it's the same bullshit. Like you have to give them almost like a time to reflect and like actually think about like what happened. You know, it's like when you're, they're so mad or they're pissed off or Naomi Osaka is just stressed and like, is just down in the dumps. Why do you want someone that is just so negative in their own mind? And you're just, you're just adding on to the negative by like criticizing that person. It's like, dude, you're kicking them when they're down. Like they just yeah. fucking lost. Like, what do you want from them? Talk to them in a year, talk to them in like a couple months and be like, Hey, like, you know, why don't we talk about this? Like what was going through your mind during this certain play? Not right after. Cause it's like, dude, it's all a blur. They're lost. They don't know. They're so taken aback by losing that they don't have, maybe they don't even have an actual response to give regardless of how creative the question is. True. So, yeah. So, so obviously just again, still kind of playing devil's advocate to this whole situation. Do you think the reason why they don't push that kind of stuff back is because a it's not going to be fresh in their memory anymore? Like why they don't ask it like let's say a week down the way is because it's not going to be fresh in their memory anymore, and b because it's going to be a lot easier for them to vo- avoid the interview itself when they're not actually there physically with somebody who's supposed to be interviewing them right well, after. Well, I think well, I think the thing is is like if you're going through like a devastating loss in whatever sport, you don't forget that. You don't. You don't. You don't forget that shit. Or you. Yeah, but like you can't also guarantee that. Well, yeah, I know, but like everyone knows it's like when you listen to just sports interviews that have gone like for just any athlete that's been brought on it's like hey like what happened in the super bowl they can almost break down the entire play like they know they know what's going on all these documentaries but you also but you You also can't guarantee that you're raf you're right you can't guarantee what it would be like in that scenario but i can guarantee you one thing is the scenario they have now sucks ass i can guarantee you that i agree if that's the guarantee we're going with then let's then change it. Yeah. Even if there's even if there's a risk, it won't work. Right. Like what you're doing now is not working, so change it. I just think that like if you don't have to talk to the media, like like why like why do you have to talk to them? Whether it's in positive or negative light, like yeah. why? Like especially, I, I'm with we, you. Like the, the, even, after the game talk, stuff is like we can even oh. talk about that. It's like, dude, like you know, what? Like why do we have to? Yeah, like it's if you play well, it's like, okay, you played well. You know what I mean? You're still going to, you're probably, your generic answer actually probably comes more in positive light. Yeah. You know, it's just like shit just went your way. That guy completed the pass or like the opposing player teed me up for an overhand to win the final match. It's just like, that's it. Like, that's all it is. You know, yeah. it, you, you're still doing your job. So I don't know. I just like, I just think that like talking to the media, like po- like pre-game or post-game, it just it doesn't really like add any value, yeah, in my I opinion. I, I see, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. I think we've talked enough about it. Anyway, we've we've been we've been we've all been repeating the same points. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I just quickly minutes. I just quickly read an article on it about like why stuff like this essentially happens. And what did it say? why post-game interviews happen? Just post-game interviews or just, like, overexposure or anything like that, whether it's, like, positive, negative, any of that kind of stuff. It's because about, give or take, 20 years ago when social media wasn't around, it's, like, that's how people would learn about these kinds of athletes. Well, yeah, exactly. And, like, so. ba- and back then, it's, like, it wasn't deemed as being very invasive because it was it was a way for fans to essentially connect with people. Yeah. Or it's, like, like now you have different you have different forms of exposure, Twitter, Instagram, 
exactly. Facebook, their own personal like blogs or whatever and, here, and, there, and, this, that, the other. And, it, but and it's, it's like, all now it's on like, the it's on the players' terms at that point too. <laughs> yeah, but now it's like with with this kind of stuff. It's obviously not on the players' terms, but it's like they're becoming a lot more aggressive within wanting more people to comment and do these types of things because it's like yeah. it's not as popular as it used to be. Yeah. Sports television since the pandemic has not been as popular as it used to be. Yeah, but but I think that's also but that's also the basis of all of this is like the the media, like the in-room media asking questions is outdated. Yeah. Right? That like that's yeah. that's the biggest thing. Like but it doesn't mind it was to be like to feel personable with athletes. Yeah, it makes it makes hey it it was a genius idea thirty years ago. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it it was like it worked perfect. I bet it was fucking electric back then too when there was no cell phones and you hear all these stories, dude. Like that was a fucking was it Bob McKenzie got punched in the face by one of the players. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's electric. Where it's not there anymore. Anyway. Unfortunately. All right, boys. All right, fellas. We'll catch you guys on Tuesday. Um, for anyone listening to this episode, actually, we should fuck. Maybe we should. Uh, should we throw an ad on the beginning of it, like our own ad? But our upcoming episode, do we have? Yeah, fuck it. We'll be fine without it. Um, yeah, episode fifty-two in the books. We'll catch you guys on Tuesday. It'll be a sick live show at eight p.m. Pacific time. And yeah, we'll be a uh, we'll be actually banging out some unique content that day. So we look forward to seeing you guys then. Adios. Oh, harder, baby.